Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're going to help you change your life. We're going to show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Everybody, let me introduce my friend, my good friend, Tommy Vex. Tommy Vex is an amazing, amazing dude. We love Tommy. Uh, he was the singer for Divine Hearsay, Snot, Beck, Westfield Massacre, and now the lead singer frontman for Bad Wolves, which is a fucking amazing band. And I'm super excited to have Tommy on here today because uh, we go way back and we've done some cool shit together. And I know Tommy is not afraid to go down the road, down the rabbit hole of whatever it is, whatever we're going to talk about. So, Tommy, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, we do go way back. We, go, we all go way back. You guys saw me when I was in the beginning of, uh, of a lot of my journey. So I'm glad, uh, glad to be here. Um, happy to report today is okay. Yeah. Well, so what we try to do here on this Hangups podcast is we try to go deep in the sense that, you know, everybody out there is struggling with something today, you know, whether it's depression, anxiety, food addiction, alcohol, drug addiction, you know, we're all sober in recovery here. And, um, and then, you know, that's just the start. That's getting sober oftentimes is just the start. And so, you know, we like to talk to people like, hey, what are you struggling with right now? And what are you doing about it? Or what have you struggled with in the past? And what have you found that's really helped you that's really worked for you? So we end up talking about all kinds of things from exercise to breath work to meditation to whatever. So I'd love to hear, Tommy, what like anything you want to share about what you've struggled with in the past or what you're currently struggling with under today's insane circumstances, whatever. You know? Yeah, I mean, well... Well, you guys know my story, but for people who don't know, I've been sober for 11 years. Both of you guys were there when I was new. You were, you know, huge, hugely instrumental and inspiring uh, and continue to be. I think the climate that we're in with COVID and the lockdowns and the people that I talk to in, in, in different meetings and stuff, it's been a lot of relapse, a lot of mm. depression and a lot of... Um, domestic violence issues going on, you know, because people got into the situation at kind of at the top of the lockdown where they were like trapped together. And for a lot of people, a relationship or being at home is not a safe place. And so for me, I'm very lucky when this whole thing happened, you know, I'm like, 
I'm a, I'm a bachelor. You know, I had like just gone through a breakup in February. So I'm like free and clear. I live by myself in a house. I don't have to worry about interacting with anybody. And I'm like the Grinch, you know? And so I, um, what I did, because I have, uh, you know, alcoholism and addiction and I have suffered from depression and anxiety and I'm an attempted suicide survivor. Uh, it's important for me to stay connected to my guys. And it's also important for me to, um, you know, I maintain a spiritual life, but it's about a relationship. It's not necessarily about religion. I, whatever works for anybody is cool. When churches and things and, and synagogues were closed because of this, a lot of people are struggling because the way that they connect with their higher power, or they connect with their belief system is to be in a congregation. And to me, I think because of recovery, I learned that it's more about my conscious contact with with the universe and nature and, and my higher power and as I understand it. And so I think putting into practice more conversations, you know, people call it prayer, but it, to me, I like, I, I, you could call it God, whatever people choose to call it. Like our friend Robert calls it the big amigo. I kind of adopted that. And I just talked to the big amigo, you know, and I, and I, like I wake up in the morning and, you know, I do, I do as some of the literature that we read suggests and I, you know, I try to set my day up. And then before I go to bed, I try to make sure I didn't screw anything up, you know, and I make checklists. Uh, and that's a pretty good, a really good balance for me. And outside of that, outside of the recovery world, being creative has been huge for me. So whether it's, you know, I've gone in the studio, I've recorded, I probably recorded 30 songs, you know, this whole lockdowns some of them are covers some of them originals i finished a biography that i co-wrote with uh, riley perez who's um he writes for a show on hbo and we we've been trying to get this thing done for two years and then it was just like cool so keep him creatively busy and you can get creative with your workouts you can get creative with playing with your kids you can get there's so many ways you know to like hang out and let god love you that's kind of what I try to do on a daily basis. And, and I didn't, I haven't really had a bad lockdown. I haven't had a bad quarantine. I've, I've having a great time. And I feel almost guilty, to be honest, because I'm having a great time. You know, I made a shit ton of money. I just looked at all these things, I, you know, I, it's frustrating not going to the gym because that's part of like my PTSD recovery, but I got to get creative there. How are you making money? How are you making a shit ton of money? Uh, basically, so what we did from the band aspect is we put a bunch of unreleased material. We negotiated uh, a deal with our label to do basically a pre-release of music. So we have, I think, 16 or 17 songs that we released one every week for the weeks that we were in lockdown on a Patreon page. And so it's a closed circuit streaming site that you have to buy a subscription for. That was one thing. And then, and I also like have other deals going on. Like I have ancillary income and uh, I use social media, uh, brings in about 150 to $200,000 a year just from product endorsement and just stuff like that. That was, my, that was my nickname in high school, pre-release. Was it? <laughs> well, tell me why. <laughs> I just let me ask you this because because we're talking about it. You know, where are you at with how we're being sort of? I don't feel like we're coming out of quarantine anytime soon. 
And, you know, for me, my kids aren't going to have the experience. My son's going into high school. My daughter's mm. going into middle school. And they're going to be, you know, they've been on Zoom now for, God, I mean, five months. They ended school on Zoom. And my daughter's playing Fortnite on the side. It's not like the experience. And um, I definitely have my opinions, which I'll share about, you know, if it was up to me. But how are you dealing with like forced quarantine and all this? I try not to, to speak too harshly about, yeah, I have, I have pretty abrasive opinions about things, you know, and I understand that like, it's a very sensitive topic. I will say that in the beginning, I was very, I was con as concerned as everyone else. You know, we watched, I was on an arena tour with Five Finger Death Punch and Megadeth in Europe, January and all of January and February. So we watched on the news in Europe as Wuhan had this problem. And then we played Italy, Milan. I got sick. I got real sick. And a bunch of people on tour got sick after that. And it was about four days. I had gone to four different doctors in four different countries. And then finally, actually Dave Elfson from Megadeth, he, he had a, a guy in Hungary get me prendizone. And, it, and then whatever I was having, I had all the symptoms and it knocked it out. Um, I didn't know that until I had come home what, what all the symptoms had been. So I don't know if I got it. I don't want to be one of those people like, oh, I probably had it. But when we got home, my drummer, he got pneumonia and he got hospitalized with the same symptoms. So I definitely was scared. I definitely believe that it's a real thing. I think as I have followed science and I have contact, I have a buddy who's a microbiologist. I have a friend who's a virologist. And I have a friend who is a 40-year oncologist. These are people through, through the, the industry that I've networked with over the years. And so I got my information directly from well-respected, published scientists in that field. So after a couple of weeks, I kind of was not scared anymore when I understood what was going on. And then, you know, now as we look in retrospect and the the information, it, it's hard because it seems like in America, whatever your political belief system is, you can find the information to support what you want to believe, which is very confusing when everyone just wants facts. Mm -hmm. So if you're leaning towards, if you lean to the right or you're Republican or conservative, there's information posted that's going to go with that agenda. And if you're democratic or liberal or whatever, there's going to be information that goes with that agenda. People's lives are taken. We're like, we need to know what's going on. As long as you're right within yourself with between you and whatever it is you believe, it's fine. I mean, I think, I think, listen, I always say all the time, it's like, you can't be true to yourself, authentic to yourself and make people happy, make everyone happy. You have to decide what do you, what do you want, right? And yeah. I, I struggle with all this politic bullshit because personally, I can't stand both sides of it. You know, I don't, yeah. I'm not that far left. I'm not that far right. I'm somewhere in the middle where I have some beliefs that would be considered right, some beliefs that would be considered left. And I can't stand all of it. I really can't. And, and I would just like the facts. I have spent time on the internet. Is, is there a site that just gives me the facts without a, a left view or a right view? And it's, Without that information, you can't make real informed decisions. If there was a way where someone came out and was like, this is the truth, and everyone was like, holy shit, 
we probably wouldn't vote for either party. There's been talk of Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I would vote for The Rock in a minute. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but again, like, you know, he spent too much time in the gym, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, people think you can't spend nine money. hours in the gym and run the country. <laughs> it's same as Trump on, on the golf course. I mean, it's no less than that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I've got arguments with people about guns on social media where I say, you know, we need stricter laws regarding guns. They need to do background checks. I think there should be a test. It should be like getting a driver's license and even more. And then they come at me, you're this liberal and you hate guns. I'm like, Dude, I've got five guns. I've got a concealed carry permit. Like you can't put me in that box. Just and yeah. I know how easy it is to get a gun. Like that, well, I know how easy it was to get a concealed carry permit. I could walk around with four guns on me right now, and yeah. there should be better testing. <laughs> I was hoping we were going to talk about some light subjects like depression. <laughs> well, I mean, Society. I'm kidding. I mean, this is what we're this is what we're fighting against actively, and and. You know, I'm I'm doing recording sessions and I'm going to be releasing songs and 100% of the proceeds are going to be donated to Underground Railroad Rescue, which is an organization that Tony Robbins and, and Dr. Oz are now affiliated with that are an international group where they, I mean, they rescue kids, but they don't just rescue them. They ha they build infrastructure to, to basically integrate them into society mm -hmm. and help them deal with their emotional, um, sexual trauma and wounds. Um, and it, and you know, it's like in Mr. Rogers, he, Mr. Rogers had this whole segment, uh, in the eighties that it kind of started to resurface. And he, he says, you know, when the news is scary and bad and bad people are doing bad things, always look for the helpers. Mm. And that's what we are like, that's what, you know, and I, I feel like a lot of us, you know, we've worked in recovery. We volunteered tremendous hours. I know you guys are massive proponents of um you guys sponsor probably hundreds of guys over the over the time in your recovery and you know you give these give you know we we would give in a gift and we get to give it back and i i see a real big big paved road where men of recovery have an opportunity to stand up for child's rights um and and i think that that's where i think our community is going to be needed because as men, we as men of recovery, we we learn compassion and we learn intuition and we learn integrity um, by give by just by by practicing the principles and you know so just look for the helpers and you know we're out there uh, and you know that's kind of what I'm that's kind of where things are moving for me. I love that saying, always look for the helpers. That should be the title of this episode because I mean, for me, I'm the best me when I'm helping other people. And when I'm not helping other people, when I'm focused on myself and doing shit for myself and what I'm trying to get, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not always a jerk, but I'm selfish and self-centered. That's my nature. So to get out of that nature of selfish, self-centeredness, I have to help other people. And Isn't that how you met your wife? Yeah, I met my wife by, I was helping a guy who I didn't want to help, but I was helping him anyways. And, I, you know, I went to his house that night to help him to go through the book. And um, I was exhausted. I had trained like nine clients at Gold's Gym. And he said, can you come to my house? And I was like, yeah. And then I went to his house and I was walking, he was walking me out to my car and the neighbor was walking in with a friend and I met the neighbor and the friend and I was like, the friend is really hot. And he called me 20 minutes later with their number, like a good sponsor should. 
and that's my wife today. Oh yeah. I, and you know, and five minutes earlier or five minutes later, I would have never met her and wouldn't have my kids and wouldn't, I mean, I have an amazing family and amazing life. And Tommy and I have discussed this at length about relationships because relationships are really challenging for anybody, but in, you know, in recovery, I think it takes a long time to really get to a place where you're able to have a healthy relationship. And for me personally, I had to take a break from relationships and I worked with outside help with some therapists and some different people and really saw my motivations in relationships. I went through like a, an inventory where it was like, you know, write down all your relationships, right? And one of the things you write down was like, what was my motivation for getting involved? She was hot, I wanted to sleep with her. She was hot, I wanted to sleep with her. That was like literally the motivation in every fucking relationship I ever had. And See, now I'm triggered. <laughs> ah, I knew, I, I threw it back on you. So, I mean, listen, it's like you're going to get to that place, Tommy, where you, you have that, you, you, you develop a healthy idea of what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like, you know? And even in it, like, it's so much work. Like, that is the hardest part in, for me in my recovery is just, um, like, I, I say I'm sorry almost every day. Almost mm. every day I'm like, I'm sorry. Even if it's not my fault, I'm like, I'm sorry. Because I just don't want to, I don't want to fight. I don't want to be in an uncomfortable thing. And... You're a repeat amender. <laughs> well, there's a difference between I'm saying I'm sorry and making amends, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and I, I explain that to the guys that I help. It's like, you know, this is the, when you make it, because people are fucking sick of hearing you say I'm sorry. I'm sure my wife is, you know? Yeah. And you've always been a service to me, Tommy. I mean, every time I'm in New York, you just hook me up with so many people. I mean, you're like the guy, when I hit up, I know you're going to get back to me within like, I don't know, two minutes. You're like fucking, you are of service unlike anyone else I may have ever met. You're just a, such a stand-up guy, dude. I wish I did more. I just, uh, yeah. I, I love getting those texts from you. I'm like, I'm like, you're like, in New York, are you here? Where is meeting? I'm like, oh. And I, I have notes in my phone from different cities and different contacts. So when people were traveling, I'm like, yo, I need a meeting. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm like, copy, paste, copy, paste. But that's what the other guys did for me. Like, you know, when I, when I, you know, I, I got almost murdered in sobriety. You know, my brother tried to murder me. And when I woke up in the hospital, George B from, you know, from PAX was in my room. Wow. He waited for me to come out of my coma. He's hung out. Are you still getting tattooed? Uh, nobody is, no one's worked this time, like during this time, but I'm going to start my leg sleeves when my my tattoo artist just had um like uh breast augmentation surgery so i'm waiting for her to like heal and then she's gonna start my legs but i still got some space nice what was your first tattoo you got oh my god right here in it's a little chinese symbol and it says the snake you can't even see it but uh when i was a kid the the first thing i wanted to be was a paleontologist and then, because uh, I was like super, I was just, my parents took me to the museum of natural history when I was little. And I like stood under a T-Rex for like an hour and just was like, what is, you know. And then uh, I wanted to be a herpetologist and I, I started collecting snakes and reptiles. And I was like a big geek, you know. Dude, I was, I wanted to be a herpetologist as well, which is not the study of herpes. It's it is not. It's the study of, of reptiles. Yeah. And my first tattoo, I got on my back 
of a lizard, and then I still on my leg, my whole leg is a tattoo of a lizard. I've got lizards oh, wow. all over my body. And uh, did, did you collect them at all? Yeah, I used to have when I was a kid, man. I would just go. I would catch them outside, and I had this like when I was in elementary school. We had to make these little ceramic plaques that we put on the wall of the school, and mine said "Save the Lizards," which was my because uh, everyone used to shoot lizards with BB guns, and oh, I was really? like that guy that I was like, "No, don't kill the lizards," you know, like that whole thing. That's awesome. And I, I remember this one time I was uh, after I tore my ACL, and I want to ask you this too, but I was on tour with Real Big Fish, and I jumped off the, the little monitor box and they turned off the lights and when I landed I landed on my leg and I popped my ACL because all the lights went, I couldn't see where it landed and and uh, I was I was doing all the physical like like training my leg back in shape and this 90 year old woman was like that's such a lovely tattoo you have on your leg what does it mean you know like this this old lady and I'm like well I I guess I like lizards I didn't know what the fuck to say you know when you're Sometimes when you get tattoos and you grow up and you're like, what does this mean anymore? You know, but um, have you damaged yourself on stage? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I have tattoos that don't mean anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, what have I done? I've rolled my ankles on stage. Um, I've, had a, I've had a pretty bad asthma attack on stage. I collapsed in Canada. Um, I usually don't carry a pump. Like, I don't keep it on stage. I don't use it that much. But a really high altitude and cold combinations will make it really hard for me to breathe um, with my with with my asthma. So that's been scary. I've definitely fell off the stage, jumping into the crowd. I've definitely crowd surfed and been dropped because I'm 260 pounds. <laughs> oh my God. I don't crowd surf unless we're in like Germany or or Sweden, and everyone in the crowd is massive. You know. Yeah. Dude, I got to um, give you a technique for your asthma. Well, next time we talk, I'll, I'll give you a yeah, yeah. technique that'll help that you can work on that'll make, that'll, that'll strengthen your lungs for asthma. Oh, no um, shit. Okay, cool. I need, yeah, to, I need that. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely help you. It's, 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 you work, you focus more on the exhale and that way the inhale comes as a reflex. Because with asthma, oh. it's about trying to get the inhale, right? It's like, yeah. you can't get any air in. So if you, if you focus more on pushing out the exhale, the inhale becomes a reflex, which is really helpful. So it's a technique like that. My first tattoo was the, um, you ever see that movie Raising Arizona where the two guys have the woodpecker head? Yeah, yeah. So I got that on my shoulder when I was 13, the thrush muffler woodpecker head and then what happened was i built arms i started working out and it moved up on my arm and it just <laughs> terrible so i had a guy make it into a dragon but he did a terrible job so they called my friends called it the chicken dragon and just tortured me for years and then i had another cover-up over that so it's a cover-up of a cover-up yeah that's a this this is a cover-up of a cover-up of a cover-up <laughs> eventually it's gonna be all black and then i have like a solar system thing that's gonna come up but yeah this is some, you know, listen, I, I, same thing. I got a tattoo when I was like 13 or 14. Like, that's how I started. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was, you know, what's up there? Don't, you better not do this. I'm like, guess what? I did it. Oh, shit. You know? <laughs> you get your ass kicked. And you're like, yo, sick. And now you're like, I have this shitty tattoo. There's a reason why you got to be 18. Yeah. I got a great leg piece from this guy, Jacko, from uh, in, uh, Little Tokyo in LA. And I'm dying to get a sleeve now, but I haven't found like a person, the right person yet. And can't, I don't uh, this guy, if you like Japanese, this guy, he, Tokyo Hero, he's in Burbank now. Okay. He moved back to Japan for a while and he came back. 
this it took him like he still has one more session but i never see him because he's either traveling or i'm traveling but he doesn't even speak english yet his wife interprets for him wow yeah he's like hardcore old school like traditional japanese my wife is half japanese half dream killer so i speak a little i speak only half a dream killer You guys really aren't selling this healthy relationship shit, you know? <laughs> I'm like, yo, I know I I don't even want to say like my like look, my life is is great. I'm not I'm you know, I'm I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, you know, being being single and 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 it's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Listen, enjoy it till you yeah, don't enjoy now. it anymore, which is what I did. I, I yeah. loved being single. I was great at dating. I enjoyed being single. And then at some point it got old for me and I wanted something deeper with more meaning. And, you know, it's funny that you say that. Like, I used to feel that way when people said that about kids. Like, I never wanted kids because I'd see people that were like exhausted. They'd look wiped out and they go, no, kids are great. You should really have kids. It's awesome. And I'd be like, you look like you're like half dead, you know, and exhausted and miserable. Yeah. Something inside of me switched and I decided I wanted to have kids that I didn't want to miss out on that experience. And I'm, I'm really glad I did because it's the most love I've ever felt, but it's also the most fear and worry that I've ever experienced. Like I had successfully gotten rid of all my personal fears and worries and concerns and couldn't give a shit about anything. And then I had kids and it's like my heart is walking around on the outside of my body now and I have to protect it. Um, I think, I mean, it's probably a really fortunate thing that you did that work because a lot of us had parents that did not get rid of their own personal fears and they projected them onto those. Yeah. You know, I can never be, I guess from, you know, like you said earlier, I can never be right again. I've just, I mean, the, the idea of just when I want to get separated you know, I've been told that I have to buy her flowers. When I want to get divorced, I have to write her a poem and put it under her pillow. And, you know, I, you know, domestic violence and infidelity are my two, like, I'm out. Those are, that's my rule. And that has not happened in my relationship. So um, I just, uh, I love being married and I love having kids, but it's not, you know, it's not every day. It's not easy, man. The next indicated action sometimes is not the easiest thing to do, especially when you're fucking so angry because you know you're right. You know you're right, you know? Yeah, you must be a, a full dangerous. Shakespearean poet by now, Feldy. What's that? You must be a full Shakespearean poet by now. If every oh, time I've written so many, so many songs. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to turn this one into a fucking song. God, but damn. that's what I'm saying. So do you have, cause, cause you, you got some, you got some hits under your belt, Feldy. How many, how many times did you write a hit song? Cause you were mad at your wife. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I remember when we were on tour with Sum 41 and we have a song called Counting the Days and, and Derek, the singer was just like, this is the best Goldfinger song ever written. And I'm like, I was walking out the door with my suitcase packed. I was fucking done with my marriage. And I wrote that song and, you know, obviously it, it ended up working out, but uh, it's not, um, it's, it hasn't been easy for me. Maybe it's easy for some people in, in marriages, but I, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I, I just, I need to be right all the fucking time. And, uh, and it's, and it's uh, challenging. Right I'm, I'm in a band with four dudes, so I'm already married, you know? <laughs> and I got to like, you know, it's like having kids. It is, it is. It's like really like having kids. I'm responsible for them. 
you know, I'm financially responsible for, to them. And, uh, you know, they just, they don't really calculate and do things the way that I think they're not, cause they're not sober. So they're not, they don't constantly wake up and just they're having ideas and, you know, Oh, this, that we should do this. We should do that. And then following the thread of, you know, God, where do you want me to be today? It it's puts us, you know, to live yeah. in a world where you have a certain way you operate in a code of ethics and a, and a way you live by and other people don't. And, you know, you have to let them be who they need to be. It's really hard. We have a common bond, a common language that we share together and we, in a way that we live. And, you know, Feldy and I have issues. We've been friends for 20 years and we have an issue and we'll call each other and be like, hey, this is what's going on. And then we'll talk it out. And usually I'll say, I'm sorry, or making amends. That's usually how it goes. And then- uh, Because you're usually wrong. That's why. <laughs> yep. And, and then- I'm starting to see a pattern here, fellas. <laughs> Yeah, you came on tour with me. You witnessed the whole, you saw the whole thing, man. I mean, I have a drummer. I used to have a drummer in my band that would fucking, I'd wake up at three in the morning, he'd be beating the shit out of the bus driver as we're driving down the highway. And it's like- He I've broke in every elevator in every hotel we went to, Tommy. He was a giant kid. He would jump up and down in the elevator and break the elevator in every fucking hotel we went to. And that's, a, that's really annoying. Oh, dude, you, you don't even know like the half of it. I thought he was hilarious and he liked me. I, I mean, I beat somebody up the first night on tour. So everybody kind of backed off of me and was respected me after that. <laughs> like we were on tour with the Misfits and they were like, I guess you're the enforcer here. And uh, I'm like, I guess I am. I don't know. I mean, this was 20 years ago or 19 years ago. Yeah. I was a year sober at the time and you know, it's a whole crazy story or somebody flicked a lit cigarette at Feldy and I grabbed him by the mohawk and pulled him over the fence and was punching him in the face. And I was waiting for security to pull me off of him. And I'm like, they're like, you are security. <laughs> like, oh, I guess I'm done here. You know? like, sick, I got a new job. <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect gig for me. And now, you're, and now you're a fucking meditation teacher. It's the best dude, it's yeah. the best story. Yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm the meditation teacher that will choke you out over a parking space. So. Yeah. But it's, that's the thing, like, I think it's important that, you know, from a lot of men, especially in California, there's a lot, there is a, there is a degree of the pussification of men. And just because you, you know, restrain a pen and tongue, meditate, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you guys are, you know, you guys are pussies. I'm like, no, listen, I meditate so I don't kill you. Yeah. I don't do respect this kindness so for weak. Don't, you know, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't expect kindness for weakness, right? I mean, something like that. I'm yeah, well, you end up like the fucking six guys on my corner and it's not <laughs> going to work out for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the more the merrier. That's how I look at it. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, sick. Like, now I'm, all right, I'm justified now. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I can't do it anymore. That's why I have to go to jujitsu, and that's been the hardest thing for me in lockdown. To be honest with you, is not going to jujitsu because I need that. That's where I let that that part of me out. That sort of darkness inside of me is I go to jujitsu and I choke people and I slam people down and they slam me down and Feldy gets the box and, and that's where I express that part of me. And when I do that, I'm mellow, I'm chill, and I haven't been able to do that in this lockdown. And um, that part of me, man, it's just, it's in there and it's frustrating and it's hard. 
And I don't know when I'm going to get to have, you know, 250 people breathe in a room or do my teacher trainings again. And so I don't, there's no, you know, phase for me to do what it is I do. And the same with you guys going on tour. I mean, who knows when that's going to fucking happen, right? I think that if we just, I think you're only allowed to have large groups of people together if it's a protest. So I think that Bad Wolves should open for Goldfinger on a massive protest. <laughs> We're gonna do it right on Hollywood and Vine. I mean, listen, why? I'm like, that's where I'm. The next move I'm trying to make is like, I want to throw a concert to end child trafficking. It's a great idea. I'm going to see. Um, I'm going to see Sublime in Ventura on on August third. They're doing a drive-in concert. It'll be the first. Oh, cool. So I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see what it's like. You know, yes, yeah, it, cool. it could be fucking great. Yeah, I mean, there's not gonna be a mosh pit. I'll tell you that much. The car, like, well, I guess the thing, I guess the stage <laughs> is circular, and they have, oh, really? they have big. Um, uh, they, they 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 show they, they they basically show the concert around the circle and people park their cars around and, and so Rome like the singer sublime now can walk around the whole stage and I mean it could be cool and you're allowed to stand outside your car but yeah, yeah, yeah. to be people like pogoing or mosh pit yeah yeah I think Metallica does that where they put the stage in the center of the arenas too so I mean it's in, it's you know look people want live music the other, like look I don't listen. You want Trump out of the fucking White House? You know, look, I, sure. You want this person, you want that, whatever the fuck you want. You can't just fucking destroy the economy and ruin people's lives because you over your political agenda. Let me say the other side of this, because I feel sure. like if Trump had handled it in a better way, then he'd be like on top because... I think he dropped the ball. He didn't want to take responsibility and he pushed it off on the states. And he literally said, I take no responsibility. And I, I think the first job of a leader is to take full responsibility. So but I think again, but are you surprised? he fucked himself is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Are you surprised? No, not at all. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like we keep going to the hardware store for milk. And that's the thing. I love the but, thing. But that's what we're doing by, this is what America is doing by continuing to be willing to engage with the Democratic and Republican parties. We, it, we don't have a two-party system. Yeah. So it's, so we don't, we literally don't have a two-party system. There are all different kinds of independent people running. It's just about money. And the media will not allow somebody who doesn't lobby to get attention to get votes. Yeah, this country's controlled by corporations. I mean, that's abundantly clear. When we've got kids getting shot in schools and the NRA controls our Senate and our House, that we can't get any kind of gun laws passed, and kids are literally dying in schools, that it's yeah. painfully obvious that, that corporations own this country. It's, this is by far... I want to thank you because this is by far our most controversial uh, hang-ups episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, look, we have to have comment, like we have to talk about stuff. We we it's there's become forbidden subjects. There should be nothing forbidden for us to talk about, and we have to love and respect each other. I refuse to hate my friends. They're not going to get me on that. People are fighting. Families are torn apart over these political belief systems, and they're, and they're winning. Whichever political party is winning, when they win you, but people have forgotten. We're the concert goers. Your job is supposed to convince us why we should vote for you, not this 
create divisory, terrified tactics, nonsense. The president's Twitter, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. Dude, it's great. It's like, this is a, it's a reality show. Like, I, you think, I, dude, why? Like, I, I am mad that the DNC ne- has no good candidates. No, Bernie Sanders was a better candidate, in my opinion. But and they won't, and they won't let him win. No, no, it's why? messed up. I don't understand. I don't understand why. Because I, you know, I don't think he can be bought as easily. Who knows? This is a mental health. Issue. It is struggling with it. You know, you're struggling with what the fuck do I? What's the truth? Like that's that's attributing to my bad mental health. I don't know what the truth is anymore. I can't find the truth out there. Well, imagine being cheated on. Imagine being cheated on by your wife with your boss and you're, you know that you're going to get fired and you know she's up to something, but you can't put the two things together. That anxiety is what everyone is living with because we're being fucked with. Yeah. Our way of life is being fucked with. Our security, the future, it's all being fucked with and we don't know what's going on. And mm. that cause, that's what's causing the mental, you know, that's, you know, that's, the the discord that's going on and we're experiencing it more living in in california people in new york are dealing with this california massachusetts you know chicago and it is it's a political thing what's up i am machine gun kelly and look i know halloween is gonna suck this year because there's no trick-or-treating and all that but i've got a treat There's a musical podcast that I made with my friends 24K Golden, Ian Dior, and Dana Dentata, and Satan. Well, Satan's not my friend, but Tommy Lee is, and Tommy Lee is playing Satan. But don't just take it from me. Tell him, Satan. Thanks, dude. It feels great to be playing Satan on this podcast. This Halloween, listen to Halloween in Hell on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or whatever you get your podcasts on. Soundtracks available on Spotify or wherever you stream your music. But I mean, like, everybody's got a podcast these days. But what would I know? I'm Satan, for God's sakes. Don't even get me started. I mean, for me personally, I have to take, you know, what do they say, my side of the street, right? I have to focus on my side of the street. And I struggle so much with uh, anxiety when I've got a group of people yelling at me for not wearing a mask. And I wear a mask because it's, you know, I want to respect other people's uh, health. And if they, you know, if they've got underlying conditions here in Calabasas, I don't want to be the guy that they're going to think they're going to get COVID from. And I don't watch the news because I get too fucking anxious. And I I take cold showers, I meditate, I go running every day, and I have to take, I mean, I can't, what do they say, if you you don't put your mask on first, you can't help your kids on the plane, and I've got to take care of my own own shit, and for me, this stuff is so fucking stressful, and like we're talking about, all of us are dealing with this, um, the fear that the news are putting out there, and so people want to keep talking about it, but what, what can I do to make sure that I can show my kids that we can get through this together? And I'm gonna take care of myself and my own mental health first. You still run every morning, right? I run every day, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, you know, for me, it's treating my anxiety for, for the most part. I mean, I work out, I wanna look good, of course. I mean, I'm in a big, I don't wanna be up on stage, just, you know, not that there's any shows coming up. I don't wanna be that guy that's just like, 
trying to catch my breath and unable to sing, you know, but for the most part, I work out for anxiety. I mean, that's really why I do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who eat have anxiety. It's, a, it's, an, it's the same space. Like, I, I go to the gym to deal with my PTSD and my anxiety. I do circuit training. I actually have the same trainer as Josh, Josh B. So Justin's been training me for almost a year and a half now. And it's like, you know, he's also, he's also plant-based. And that's also brought a lot of new information into my, into my diet and my life, too. Um, I haven't cut meat out, but, you know, you see what our food has in it and in America. And, and like, you know, you guys travel internationally. I've lived other places for months and the food in other countries is much healthier, much healthier. You know, you go to Scandinavia or Australia and I eat twice as much food and I lose weight and I, I don't need to sleep as much. And, the, you know, and it's like the Food and Drug Administration in, a, in this country, just like Big Pharma, you know, they're, you know, they're getting uh, the, the FDA is kind of bought by the yeah, big food it's, corporations. It's corporations. Once again, it's corporations yeah. destroying the country over, over profits, yeah. right? I have friends who are vegan who are like constantly like, you guys are eating meat and blah, blah, blah. blah. They feed us this. We will, we, why, would the, why are we not shutting the companies down and changing all this shit? They don't want to. Well, listen, they make I, us feel ashamed like the human race is horrible and terrible and we're doing all these bad things to the planet when it is solely the decision of the of these massive companies it is a it is a, a handfuls of people who are making the decisions to put profit over uh, over the longevity and prosperity of the globe and we're told that we are should feel shame and that humans are bad we're not that conscious of the fact i used to do big brothers of america and i drive into crenshaw and pick this kid up and I discovered that 83% or something like that, I might be off on the number, 83% of African-Americans are lactose intolerant. Yet the milk community, that's where they are advertising is in African-American communities. That's where they peddle the milk to. Yeah. It's crazy. Pain is profit and health is poverty. It's argued that corporations cause the diseases they're attempting to cure. The whole food pyramid is also, like there's like a lot of science that says the food pyramid is completely, yeah, it's completely, I mean, look at kids, we grew up eating kids breakfast cereal. It's just carbohydrates and processed sugar. They yeah. put high fructose corn syrup in Gatorade. What are, why do we have so much corn syrup? Because what do we have here? Cornfields. And then whatever doesn't get used for ethanol that we cut our gas with and then charge the most amount of money of any nation for gas, which is hyper cut with ethanol. The rest of the shit gets turned into fucking processed fucking corn syrup, which they put in every fucking thing. It's really expensive to eat healthy in this country, which but is- But that's another issue. Why? Why do you have to be rich to eat healthy food? Yeah, Why I mean, do vegetables cost more money than junk food? Yeah, that I mean, that's one it's of the biggest, bizarre. the biggest bill and one of the biggest bills in my household is food because we try to eat organic and healthy and all this shit. And it's it's a fortune it cost a fortune. Yeah. yeah. So it's like if you can't have both, you're not going to like save your money and live healthily. They're going to get your money anyway. So if you eat, if you if you make all this money and they don't tax all of it, you got to spend it on food so you don't die of cancer and you got to buy the expensive good food and, and be educated as a consumer. You know, 
and then you're gonna not have money to retire because when you're gonna have to spend millions of dollars on fucking on food that shouldn't be expensive. Yeah. Tommy Baxter, you're the fucking best, dude. You Tommy, are thanks for coming dude. on today, man. I love <laughs> having you. I love you guys. I'm just super stoked to talk to you, Tommy, and I had a blast talking to you today. Yeah, yeah man, it's been great. I appreciate you guys. I gotta get, I gotta jump back on the uh, on the on the group. So All right. I'll text you guys later. But thanks for having me. And thanks uh, for coming yeah. on. Much love, Tommy. Yeah, love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast